Hey loves, I'm Marley Liss, and welcome to the Sensual Revolution. This is a global movement to reclaim sensual empowerment on an embodied and systemic level. My personal path of sensuality has not been easy. Shame around my body image, sexual abuse, and my queerness had me dissociated and numbed the heck out. It's been a big journey to get to where I am today, but I really have turned my pain to purpose. Along the way, I've learned our personal healing makes epic waves in this world. This podcast is here to remind you that your healing is selfless. When you learn to shed shame, love your body, and claim your worth, you pave the way for all people to do the same. Here, you can expect to hear from sexual educators and healers who work at the embodied level of sensual empowerment, as well as policymakers and justice leaders who work at the systemic level. It's all connected. So whether you're at the very beginning of your own sensual healing journey, or you're a sex-positive advocate and superstar, this community welcomes you. Let's come together and revolutionize this planet one loving, sensual step at a time. Hello, loves. Welcome back to another episode of The Central Revolution. Not to pick favorites, but this is genuinely one of my favorite conversations ever. You're going to get to hear from the amazing woman who started Empower today, known as I Am Empower. On Instagram, they have over 160,000 followers on their survivor-led platform that is made for promoting healing and empowerment for all those impacted by sexual or relationship trauma. They're all about making healing more approachable and accessible. They are doing such amazing work. They've started a fund for survivors, offering financial support to people. We've been collaborating on a really cool series that you might have seen on Instagram called the Survivors Reclaiming Pleasure series. In this episode, Issa and Nina share about their own journeys as sexual assault survivors and what led them to forming Empower. We talk about the power of solidarity, the importance of overcoming what we call survivor imposter syndrome, where we minimize or compare our stories. We talk about navigating self-blame and having compassion for our coping mechanisms. We get into the conversation of hypersexuality as a survival mechanism after trauma, which I feel that not enough people are talking about. So I'm like, oh, thank God for this conversation that I definitely needed so badly at one point in my life and honestly still need to be having. So I'm so stoked to be sharing it with you. Also, about 15 minutes into the episode, you'll hear a really exciting announcement about a collaborative community offering that Isa, Nina, and myself are coming together for to bring to you. I'm so excited about it. So stay tuned to hear that. We don't get into anything graphic in this episode, but we are of course speaking about the matter of sexual violence. So gentle trigger warning and just tune in and see if this is something that you feel available for to listen to today. If it's not, this episode is here for you. You can always come back. As a survivor, it was so meaningful to me to create this with Isa and Nina. So let's Let's get into it. Hello, loves. Welcome back to the Central Revolution. I'm so stoked to be here with Isa and Nina from I Am Empower. Thank you for coming on. Hello. We're so happy to be here. Thanks for having us. 
Yay. Okay. I always start with this kind of like question that you can answer in a meta way or a not meta way, super practical, whatever. Um, we can do one at a time. Like, who are you in this chapter of your life? I think to kick us off, um, I think the way that I would define myself now um, is very much so a pleasure enthusiast um, an empowered sexual activist is kind of how I would say it. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that like, I think that that's something that's always evolving. And I think right now within my current healing journey, that's kind of where I'm sitting is I'm really focused on my own personal pleasure and making sure that's centered and practicing how to do that and how to be this person. Mm -hmm. I love that. I don't think I've ever heard the term pleasure enthusiast and I'm really here for it. So thank you. What about you, Isa? I feel like if I had to sum it up in one word, I feel like I've been going through just so many seasons of transition this past year, past year and a half really. And I feel like I feel similarly, similarly with Empower. I feel like we've just gone through so many different seasons the past year and I'm excited for what's to come, but yeah, transitions, the word I would choose. Yeah. I think that's like super relatable. And I feel like the language we all know is like in these times, <laughs> it's like in these times, everything's unprecedented times. Unprecedented times. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So much transition. It's so, it's so much. Can you share about what empower actually is and in whatever way feels empowering and maybe even pleasurable for you can you share like what led you to this work yeah I think that I mean we started empower when we were when we met in college um just kind of coming together we realized that talking about our own experiences and building community with other survivors was just so healing and I think that it's just started transitioning into this larger space of highlighting the inner wisdom that survivors have as they heal and just really bringing voice to just so many things that different survivors go through as they, you know, navigate their healing journeys and navigate stepping back into intimacy with themselves. Um, yeah, I feel like we've really created a space for all those different voices to be held. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think where Empower is today is also giving voice to all of the little details that we don't realize that we're thinking that we're going through um, and all those things that we feel alone in feeling and then providing voice to that. And I think that in doing so, we've really created a community that gives a voice to people who have been kind of suffering in silence um, mm -hmm. within their own trauma and within their own healing journeys. And we've just really built a community that makes people feel more seen and heal alongside other people. Yeah, I love that. It's so needed. And I definitely can like relate to a moment of connecting with survivor community and realizing like, holy shit, these big feelings that I'm feeling like everyone else is getting that. Like we're all experiencing that. And it's so powerful. Can I ask like, were the two, did the two of you know each other? before your own experiences with assault or did you meet afterwards? We knew each other slightly before and we were already kind of in a budding friendship um, as like freshman year college friends are, you know, where you're like, 
oh, are we just party friends or what are, what are we doing? Like, are we going to become friends, friends? Um, and then after kind of realizing that we had this shared experience and kind of becoming very vulnerable with each other and like sharing these like intimate thoughts and feelings of shame and guilt that everyone kind of deals with and realizing like, oh, I'm not alone. It's actually really helpful to like say this to someone else and like feel really validated and seen in that. Um, mm -hmm. Our friendship just like exploded from there. And I think that we just have a, a bond that is like a lifetime now. That's so beautiful. Yeah, that bond is so special. I have a friend like different, but I have a friend that I met in a rape survivor support group and like it's just such it's just such a different bond and like to be able to talk about the healing and everything so openly and to be in it together and like supporting each other and that is so so powerful. It's really beautiful that you're doing it together, I feel. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those things where in some relationships, you feel like you kind of have to hold some things maybe closer to your chest um, because you're like, oh, they might not get it fully. And in these types of relationships, like you just don't have to do that because you know that they will get it fully and you can just be your full authentic messy self if you need to be. And that person will be there. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, you share? Like, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I always get emotional. Like, I don't know if it's just being on my period, but every call I've done this week, I've been like, I'm tearing up. <laughs> I think that's so funny. It's a real thing. It is real. Can you share what, this doesn't have to be like a official definition of survivor, but what do you mean when you say survivor and like who does that? And maybe does that not include? Or well, let's just say who does that include? Yeah, I think that that's such an interesting question. And I think that it's something that we really have thought about since the beginning of Empower. We always wanted to create a space that felt really inclusive for people who experience like the wide breadth of sexual trauma and relationship trauma. And I think that, you know, we both have had experiences where we classify, you know, this was sexual assault. This is how we define our experiences. But we also personally had experienced so many other um, situations that maybe we didn't feel comfortable defining in that way, or maybe we just felt really uncomfortable and icky and like we were used and taken advantage of. And we wanted to create a space where those stories were also heard. So I feel like when we use the word survivor, we were inclusive of that whole range of, of things that people go through. However, you personally define your experience. Um, and we, we fully believe that survivors have the you know, full autonomy and, and should be empowered to define their experience with terms that feel useful and helpful to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I feel like we take a very inclusive approach to the word survivor. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of where we found success as well. And where we found true impact is, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of resources out there for survivors of rape, but a lot of people are not ready to say that that's what they've been through and to acknowledge that that is their experience. And so creating a space where it's for all of the above and the in-between and the gray areas um, allows people to kind of just approach healing on their own time and with their own definition that they feel comfortable with at that moment. Because I think it can be really traumatic to even admit to yourself or classify what you've been through as rape or as sexual assault or as those seemingly big heavy like definitions 
that are really scary for some people to, to acknowledge. And so we kind of have created a environment where you can just approach healing and healing is for everyone, regardless of whether you've been through something that the criminal justice system defines as really traumatic or whether you've been through something that just felt really icky and like gross to you. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. so glad you brought that up, Nina. Just the point of, we also like, we really try to take an approach that's not rooted in like the criminal justice system and legal definitions. And I feel like that's something that also we wanted to step away from in some ways. Um, mm -hmm. I think that so many survivors like get caught up in the questions of like, should I have reported? Would things have been different if I had done this? Like, where do I fit into this larger like system? And I feel like yeah, there's so many ways that you can move through that, but whether or not you feel like your definition fits into the legal, you know, classification of something or some, some crime, I mean, that just isn't necessarily what we wanted to be focused on. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. And I love the way that that like brings power into our own bodies. Cause I think in this world as survivors and also just as people, like there's so many things that bring us outside of ourselves. And it's like, the system says you should do this. Like this person says you should do this. And we get constantly like dragged out of our own centers and the way that you speak about claiming the language that feels good for you. And like the autonomy, it's so clear that you can kind of like lean back into your own body and be like, Hey, what actually feels good for me? And I think that is so empowering and like such a gorgeous recipe for reclamation, especially after trauma. So I think that's amazing. And that inclusivity and validation like comes across on your page so much, even in the way you respond to comments, like it's really, really beautiful. Yeah. I'm oh, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that means the most because we, we do think about that so deeply and in every single, every single time that we speak on our page, it's like, how can we make this as inclusive as possible? That is like within every single word that we use. Mm -hmm. Yes. And something I feel like I recently heard the term, I feel like we, a lot of us know the term imposter syndrome. And I recently heard um, queer imposter syndrome. And then that led me to be like survivor imposter syndrome is such a freaking thing where a lot of us, like you said, are comparing and being like, well, mine's not as bad as theirs or mine's not as bad as hers. And we are kind of like, I don't deserve to take up space in this community. Um, so yeah, I'm curious, like, is that something that you've navigated or something that you see people in your community navigating a lot and how might you respond to that? Um, I fully got chills as you were saying that because that was one of the biggest things that I had to go through in my healing journey as a survivor was kind of recognizing in a weird way like I had to reconvince myself every time that this was like real because I just was like so invalidating of my own experience to like deny it um, mm -hmm. as like a coping mechanism and to be like who am I to have this label or like to to claim this label when people have been through such awful things and I think that that's, that's really why we put so much effort into using the language that trauma is however you felt about it in the moment. Like regardless of whatever anyone is saying to you about it, your perpetrator, the systems, the patriarchy, misogyny, your parents, your friends, like who, whoever is saying things to you, like it doesn't matter. Like how you felt in that moment, if that felt traumatic to you, mm -hmm. then nothing else matters. And you can claim whatever label and take up whatever space that you need to. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. So much yes to that. Yeah. Uh, I definitely feel like that's something I can relate to too. And I think like hearing, I think this is part of the power of um, survivor solidarity too, is like, we kind of see ourselves through each other sometimes. And I find like, I feel so much empathy when I hear other people's stories or just thoughts and beliefs and things we've journeyed through. Like, like you just shared, Nina, I'm like, oh my gosh, like you felt that. And then it gives me that moment of like, oh wait, like I felt that too. So I also deserve like the empathy I'm giving out to you. So it's this cool exchange. I feel that happens. Hello loves. I hope you are enjoying this episode. I love this conversation and I'm just jumping in to share about a super exciting workshop that Isa, Nina, and myself are coming together for. It is a Valentine's sensual self-love and survivor connection workshop for and by survivors. And guess what? It is completely free or you have the option to donate to this amazing organization that is Empower. During the workshop, you're going to learn tools to transform shame into sensual empowerment and self-love. You'll also get to connect with survivors from all over the world as we come together and claim the self-care that we freaking deserve. Just go to marleyliss.com slash valentines with an S at the end to register. Space is limited, so make sure you do that right away. You can also find that link in the show notes, or you can go to either I Am Empower or my Instagram, and you'll see the link in the bio. It's gonna be so amazing, and we're so excited to see you there. So once again, that's marleyliss.com slash valentines, or you can find that link through the link in our bios. I know that you have like freaking over a hundred thousand followers on your page, which is amazing. And I imagine that you've heard all kinds of things like supportive trolls, all these things. I'm curious, like <laughs> what are one or two of the biggest myths that you see come up a lot around like survivor experience or trauma? Um, yeah, and and how would you respond to those? Oh my goodness, what a, great, <laughs> what a great question. I will say that I feel like we get a lot of really supportive comments and I feel like we have a really wonderful community. One of my favorite things is just seeing someone posting some victim blaming comment, whatever, whatever the myth may be. And the way that some of our community members will respond back with, you know, like with education and with compassion mm-hmm. and like, I mean, sass with all of it, but like all of the above, like our community, our like followers just go off in the comments. And I, I loved, I really love to see it. I feel like one of the big, I honestly, I see a lot of people just like fundamentally, I view it intentionally, just like misunderstanding the issue of sexual violence and mm-hmm. still kind of coming into these discussions with like a very, archaic view of of what sexual violence is and what a survivor looks like and how we should be talking about it um and the, yeah I feel like it's always interesting there are times when we get I, I view like good faith questions and people asking for clarification and wanting to learn more but there are also people who are just very committed to to misunderstanding the problem mm-hmm. um so I feel like we get a good amount of those I feel like a lot of purity myths we get a lot of like I think I would say religious focused and you know shame Mm -hmm. around pleasure and embracing sexuality 
I would say that those are some of the biggest myths that I feel like we encounter. Yeah. 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 There is a yeah, I would love to add. I think that there, I think most recently we posted something about um, uh, that like STIs are not dirty, that having a lot of sex is not dirty, that like kind of um, unpacking this this concept and in doing so, we got a lot of people being like, uh, but yeah, it is like, but she's having a lot of sex with a lot of people. So like, isn't it kind of gross? And like all these people that are just like, okay, take a step back and like, look at where where did you learn this from? Who taught you this? Like, let's go back to the source here and realize that that is not a credible source and we should not be listening to those voices anymore. Like, this is why we're creating this post and you're missing the point. Like, it's like there's like a lot of people like that where, um, again, like, like Isabel mentioned, like sometimes we do have to clap back with some sass and Isabel is a boss bitch when it comes to that. I love it. Um, she, she has fire responses. Um, and then other times we just restrict people who are just causing problems and, and we want to make sure that they can still have access to our posts, um, because we want them to continue to learn, but we don't want to give them space to, to have their own opinion on it because it's causing harm. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so we'll do a lot of that as well. Um, but again, like Gisa mentioned, we have an amazing community of very supportive people that always are there to, to step in and educate and validate and all of the above. Yeah, and like we're here for the survivors. Like we build this community for survivors to center their healing, to build a strong, empowered community space. So we have no problem restricting people deleting harmful comments. And I think that it's been really empowering also. I feel like that wasn't always our approach in the beginning. And Mm -hmm. I feel like as we started growing and, you know, encountering more of those things, and also we just, you know, got more confident in, in wanting to build this space for survivors it's been really empowering to, you know, reclaim our voice and like take up that space too and be like, no, this is our, this is our community. Like you aren't welcome here. Your shame is not wanted. Like, see ya, see ya later. (laughs) Oh, my favorite is when they're like, what about my freedom of speech? And we're like, again, this is our, our community. Like, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) it's our account. We're allowed to delete your comment. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love this so much. And I feel like in a bit of a meta or like survivorception way, you're kind of like role modeling our right to boundaries as survivors. Like, yeah, that's, it's really cool. You're like, right. (laughs) That's like the biggest compliment you ever could have given that way. Yeah, I, I think, I honestly think that that's one of the most powerful ways to make impact is just like embodying the things that we're already talking about. And I think that you, cause I see you like posting so gorgeously about boundaries and consent and all of these important things. And then you like responding in a way that's affirming your own right to boundaries in the comments, all the survivors are like, wow, like they did that. I can do that too. I have a right to restrict people too. Like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. We're all about if, if people are not kind of aligning with your values and your brand and who you are and where, where you're going and your growth, they can self-select themselves out of your life. Like you do not need to have them around if they are not adding value and being supportive in where you are going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, healing is, is hard. It's hard. And so like, you do not need any detractors while you're, while you're in your, your progress and in your journey. 
because mm-hmm. you're it's already hard enough. Agree. Agree. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if I feel like we all, I feel like we literally all do. I was going to be like, I'm curious if you struggled with self-blame, but I'm like, I feel like literally all of us struggle with self-blame, no matter how educated we are on like rape culture and feminism and all the things. Like, I think it's still can be so hard to hold that doubt. So um, I'd love to hear like whatever you're comfortable sharing around your own journey with that and what you might say to someone who's still really deep in that self-blame. Yeah. For me, I feel like I struggled with self-blame really like focused in two different ways. And one of those was, I feel like a lot of the trauma that I went through and the things that I'm still, you know, currently working through and healing from, for me related mostly to the reporting process that I went through. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I struggled with a lot of self-blame related to that being that I chose to report my assault. And I feel like that was, you know, a challenging thing to work through because you think you're making the right decision at the time, you know, and you're making the decision that feels right in that moment. But, you know, when, when you look back after the fact, you're like, was that really the right decision? And, you know, I feel like all you can really do is give yourself compassion for where you were in that moment and, you know, in the first place, because, you know, you can't go back and, and make a different decision, but you can give yourself compassion and, you know, realize that you made the decision that you thought was the, you know, the best one. And it's okay if it wasn't. And, you know, you learn from it and you heal and you move forward. Um, and then, yeah, I feel like self-blame related to healing also, I feel like was hard. I mean, like so many survivors you heal, um, you know, before you maybe have the support that you need or while you're still, you know, not ready to like fully be in healing, you develop some unhealthy coping mechanisms, you know? And I feel like during that period when I was struggling with hypersexuality and, you know, increased like drinking and substance use and things like that, I feel like it was hard to look back on situations that hurt me further and, you know, not have self-blame in those moments and be like, well, look at, you know, the unhealthy ways that you coped and, you know, all those different things. But again, I feel like I found so much healing just through self-compassion. And if, if I could, you know, pass anything on to the next person, I would just say that self-compassion is just the biggest, the biggest thing and realizing that shame is, you know, only something that's going to make it harder for you to heal and, and move forward. So yeah, letting go of that's definitely been a process, but. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, thank you so much for that. Yeah. I just want to commend your vulnerability right now because mm-hmm. I know that that's like hard to to say sometimes out loud to, to so many people. And like, that was beautifully said. And I know that that's going to like really help other people in their healing journey, just hearing you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally agree with you that for self-forgiveness as well, like finding the energy um to forgive yourself for the decisions that you made when you were in survival mode like Mm -hmm. your brain is operating to get you day to day and sometimes that doesn't look perfect um and like we like Issa mentioned like hypersexuality was a big thing for me as well and that was a, a thing that definitely brought us closer together was realizing like okay we're going through this healing journey together um and kind of recognizing, okay, the decisions that I made in survival mode, like 
I have learned from and I am growing from and I now have more tools at my disposal to help myself through that. But in terms of self-blame, again, like you mentioned, it's, it's only more harmful to yourself to waste time listening to those voices in your head that definitely come from the patriarchy and society and people that just want to silence you and not have you speak your voice and find your power. Um, and yeah, it's just combating those voices in your head with being like, okay, who, who, whose voice is that in my head? And is that mine? Because mm-hmm. usually our own voices are much kinder than that. And those are external voices that are again, only trying to silence you for their own benefit. Um, and recognizing that that's not how you truly feel about yourself and then to give yourself that compassion and forgiveness. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. And like, yeah, as both of you were talking, I was like literally picturing people and survivors specifically listening to this and just being like so deeply moved and, and touched by that because it is like, we all need to hear that a million times over. So thank you so much for sharing that. I remember reading like an Adrian Marie Brown book and there was one quote that literally just said, a survivor's only job is to survive. And I I just instantly started crying because I was just like, oh my God, like we're trying to do so much out here. (laughs) We're trying to do so much. And it's just like, that's it. Like a survivor's only job is to survive. And I love, I definitely want to talk more about hypersexuality in a moment. Um, and I really love what you shared around like self-forgiveness around the coping mechanisms because everything has functionality and like our survival mechanisms are just that they're helping us survive. Like one of my favorite questions to ask is like, what needs was I trying to have met with that certain behavior and right away recognizing, oh, I was trying to protect myself. I was trying to feel normalcy. I was trying to feel connection. Like there's always a function that's kind of an attempt at self-love and that's so much more beautiful than just being like, I'm so fucked up. Why would I do that? Like recognizing that. So yeah, can you share more about what hypersexuality actually is, how it may or like may not interweave with trauma and maybe a bit about like what that was like for you, whatever you're comfortable or inspired to share. Yeah, so just kind of a background on on hypersexuality, there's, you know, kind of two, when you're talking about it, people, you know, talk about hypersexuality and hyposexuality. So common reactions to things, you know, post-sexual trauma, um, but also things that people can experience independent of that as well. Um, But either hypersexuality would be um, taking like a very, um, like expressing more sexuality and kind of going the route of I'm going to, or in my experience was like, I'm going to have a lot of sex to prove the fact that I do not have trauma from this thing that happened to me, because if I can be okay with sex now, that means that I'm fine. Um, So, and you know, hyposexuality on the other side is more of the aversion to sex and feeling, um, you know, less comfortable and less ready to, you know, have sex or have, you know, intimate moments. Um, So, you know, very common for, for survivors to experience either, both, neither, you know, and the, the spectrum, every survivor is different. Um, but yeah, we, we found that that's a pretty uh, common thing that people in our community have also said that they've experienced. 
Yeah. And I think when I think about hypersexuality, it's not just related to having a lot of sex. It's also like increased risk-taking behaviors and things like that, that you're trying to, um, one of the things that blew my mind when I learned about it was trying to recreate the same environment that when the trauma occurred and then have that trauma not occur and then find solace in that or find comfort and kind of prove to yourself that this won't happen again. Or like, again, it's like some sort of protection mechanism within your own brain and logic to try to either invalidate your experience or, or prove that it's, it's normal or um, that you actually are not suffering from that trauma because you're fine, which was definitely some of the mindsets that Issa and I took. We're like, see, we're fine. Mm-hmm. We're fucking all these dudes. Like, we're okay. Like, see, it's not impacting us at all because we're having so much great sex. Mm-hmm. First of all, it was not great. Um, those, those random one night stands, not always the best. And also, especially when you are coming from it from a place of, again, needing some sort of need met that is like, I don't know, any sort of intimacy or any sort of um, proof that is coming from a stranger. Um, I look back and I'm like, that was not my most empowered self. Mm-hmm. That was me surviving and trying to put a bandaid on something, um, mm-hmm. which got me day to day. But I think looking back on it now, of course, it's like, everyone do like a lot of a lot of survivors do end up dealing with this and we find a lot of shame around it because mm-hmm. we start to think about oh well maybe I am a slut maybe this doesn't mean maybe this happens to me because I am a slut or all these things and when we actually take a step back and look at it like no this is a really valid trauma response mm-hmm. and we're in survival mode this is not this is not who you are and this doesn't give anyone a reason to say what happened to you wasn't real or um, is not valid or to blame you in any sort of way because of this behavior, because you were in survival mode. And I think that it's a really important concept to unpack because it is so often used against survivors mm-hmm. as a way to invalidate their experience. Yes. Oh, this is like the most important conversation ever. I just feel like I never hear people talk about this ever. And there was absolutely a time where I like needed to hear people talk about this and was like, I don't know, I don't see it anywhere. I feel like I like definitely navigated that as well in some ways. And it was really like scary in a lot of ways. I think I was also like risk taking in some ways. And there's just no yeah, there's just no resources. And when something's so coded in shame and silence, it's really hard to be like, hey, I could really use these resources. So even if they're there, there's like a lack of accessibility because of that shame. So I'm just like bowing down to you both for start like really having the conversation and even sharing about your own experiences with it. Because I think it's just like, so supportive like I feel even as well I'm just like wow like I still have parts of me that are like it's really supportive to hear people breaking silence on that so applause thank you <laughs> yeah no, I feel like I feel like I could talk about this like forever hello loves we're gonna take a quick break from our conversation to tell you about my signature group coaching program the sensual wholeness academy This is an eight-month program for women and non-binary folk who are ready to let go of shame 
and claim self-love, sensual empowerment, and somatic healing within an epic community rooted in radical acceptance. The course includes eight modules which dive into content like strengthening boundaries, claiming your true yes and no, transforming shame around sexuality, building a mindful self-pleasure practice, releasing body and genital shame, transforming trauma-inclusive sex education, empowered intimacy, the wheel of consent, and so much more. When you sign up for the Central Wholeness Academy, you get access to live weekly group coaching calls featuring embodiment practices, you get the eight video training modules, you get access to our VIP virtual community space where you receive ongoing support throughout the whole program. You get guided journal prompts, community to last a lifetime, and bonus workshops with amazing guests. If you're someone who's ready to let go of shame or numbness and claim the sensual empowerment and self-love you deserve, then your next step is to go to marleyliss.com SWA. You'll also see the link for that in the show notes. So here you'll see plenty more details about the program and you'll be able to set up a free consultation call with myself where you'll receive personalized support and explore if this is a fit for you. So I'm so looking forward to connecting with you on this call. You're so worthy and capable of this reclamation. Because it really was just such, it was just such like a, a large part of, of what I was healing from. And I feel like for me, so much of what I was, you know, I really thought that I was like a very sexually empowered person. Like I really, I really thought at the time that I was out here, like so empowered, like I, you know, I'm so focused on my pleasure and I am so comfortable in my sexuality and like all of those things. And I really was just wanting that like sense of control. And I also was really chasing the idea that like, I think again, so much of my trauma was related to like the reporting that I was going through. And I really like relied on the idea that like, no, I know the difference. Like I know the difference between a bad sexual experience, you know, like one that's like, not great like you know maybe maybe you feel like that wasn't a great decision but like okay we'll move past it but like I know the difference between that and like assault and I know the difference and so I'm reporting this because like I know the difference and I can still have those casual relationships and I can still have sex with people and I can still drink and go to a party and go home with someone and I know the difference between what happened to me in this moment and what I'm still you know doing and choosing to do now Mm -hmm. and I was really, really holding on to that. And I, it was really hard for me when like that then was very much used against me, like in my reporting process as it so often is, but yeah, it was really confusing. It was a very like complicated way to feel because I really felt like, no, like I, this should be proving to you that like, I do know the difference, but obviously Mm -hmm. it was taken as in like, this person just like is out here, you know? being hypersexual and doing whatever they want so you know what credibility like does does she have and I feel like that's also just something that so many so many survivors go through is yeah experiencing that victim blaming after but so much of it is rooted in just like not understanding trauma and people having such strong opinions when it comes to how survivors should be or how they should be acting and Mm -hmm. then having like a fundamental misunderstanding of how trauma functions yeah yeah oh my gosh I appreciate 
this conversation so much. And I'm like, I feel like we're all connecting with humor a bit just based on like the cases that are happening. Cause I'm like, I am thinking of a moment and I can laugh about this now where like in my reporting process, they picked up the DNA of, of another guy that I ha- was consensually sleeping with like the day before this assault happened, but it was like casual sex and someone I had no intention to stay in touch with very like jock bro like yo what and because they picked up his DNA he got dragged into the court process and for three years (laughs) was like a witness he had to like come into a cup and like and he was like yo Marley like I had to juice in a cup for your trial I was like no why is this Oh man, I mean, have I been there where I've slept with multiple men in 24 hours? Yes. That, that I've had my Mama Mia moments, you know, in my representationality basis. Oh my gosh. I think what's important to say too, and you're outlining this so powerfully, is that there's a huge difference between hypersexuality and genuine sexual empowerment and like like empowered slut living if if you vibe with that word absolutely um, yeah. <laughs> right because like I, th- I think it's really important to say that we can't necessarily see the difference like someone could be fucking a different person or multiple people every night and it could feel like genuinely like a full-hearted yes and a loving thing for them to do and then someone else could be taking those same actions and there's like really deep re-traumatizing and like self-sabotage and hurt happening that has been something that I think both Issa and I have been on a journey with more recently is kind of reconnecting with what do we actually want what are our actual desires in bed and what have we been taught to want versus what we actually want Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of like discerning between those two and then looking back on our previous behavior and looking at our current behavior which honestly to the outside view probably looks pretty similar but Mm -hmm. drastically different and kind of looking at okay if I'm doing the same thing but it feels different what does that mean um and kind of then re returning to okay what is empowered sex what do we actually want how do we go about doing that that isn't bring us back into that risk-taking hypersexual phase that we have been mm-hmm. in the past yes that like genuine consulting with our bodies um cue me being like oh I've been a lesbian all this time <laughs> now that I'm actually paying attention to my wants needs and boundaries I'm realizing some things but I think that's really cool. Not everyone's going to realize they're a lesbian, but I think that's really cool because it's like, I think so often, and I know we all connect in this, like so often we see the healing journey as this really daunting and terrifying thing. And it absolutely can be not diminishing the hard part of it. Um, But at the same time, it can be really powerful grounds for reclamation. Whereas like, trauma or not maybe we've never thought about what we genuinely want desire need dislike before and then having this kind of extreme experience where we're like that felt horrible can sometimes bring us like into ourselves to be like okay I need to redefine my whole relationship to sexuality and like I would love to hear what was the kind of what was 
part of what helped you pivot, like you were like in that hypersexuality space and then you were like, something's off. And now you're on this really gorgeous ongoing journey of like genuine sexual reclamation. So like what helped you kind of pivot and then what has that been like for you? And maybe even what has been supportive for you? Yeah, I mean, like, first I want to say that, like, we live in such a sexually repressed and sex-negative culture anyways. Mm -hmm. Even if you do not, you know, identify with being a survivor or, you know, a victim of sexual violence, like, that does not mean that we all don't need to be unpacking our, like, relationships with sex. And, you know, it's like, (laughs) survivor or not, like, we live in a super sexually repressed and sex-negative culture. And it is filled with, you know, ideals about, like, purity and virginity. And, like, there's, there's so much unpacking to be done. And, yeah, I feel like it's hard. Because I feel like for me, too, like, I've had to discern between what is a trauma response from, you know, being a survivor? And then what is also just like the patriarchy and, you know, like, what's the word? Homophobia, you know, (laughs) like, like what are all these things? What are all like these other things that just like as a queer woman, I navigate anyways, and then I'm a survivor. And then, you know, all these different, so it's like, at first I feel like I had to discern like, what was even like, what what were the things that were even blocking me at this point? Because like, yes, there was trauma, but there was also so many other like layers of conditioning and like, you know, like religious, like trauma, like there are so many just layers to this. So I feel like that was a big first step was like, where is all of this stuff coming from? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's a process. I feel like it's been easier for me to like start reclaiming. Unfortunately, I feel like I had some, like scary experiences when I was going through like the hypersexuality situation and mm-hmm. that kind of like it forced me to confront like okay like stuff is starting to like not be safe and great for you you know in, the, in these situations that you keep finding yourself in so you know what does that mean and it's unfortunate that it took like pretty like significant things to be like all right you said like you need to like think about this a little bit more if if these are the situations that you really like want to be experiencing um but yeah I feel like I'm still like so on the path of unlearning all of the all the other things that exist Mm -hmm. yes Marley one of the things that came to the top of my head when you were mentioning that you realized that you were a lesbian was Florence Givens chapter what is that title of, of that chapter? You said, I'm pretty sure it's like, maybe it's a girl crush or maybe it's you're just here. Yeah. <laughs> she, her book is amazing. He's actually gave it to me for Christmas. What's the book? Uh, Women Don't Owe You Pretty by Florence. Ooh. Highly okay. recommend. Um, yeah. Yeah. Plug, um, to her. I think going to your, speaking on your question further, Marley, about what has helped um, kind of pivot I am still in this process, don't mind everyone, this is ongoing, but I have always lived with a lot of women, which is such a gift. And I think even now having conversations about the great sex that my roommates are having or that my best friends are having, that my sister, Mm -hmm. like the conversations that the women around me are having and them having empowered sex and telling me about it, which mm-hmm. is just the type of relationships that I like to foster. I'm like, tell me about your sex life because this is so fun. Um, mm-hmm. But having those conversations, those like real genuine, like 
I have never sat on a man's face. Like, how do I do it? We have, we, I, we demonstrate, like we do the whole thing. Um, we have the whole moment. We, I taught one of my best friends how to suck a dick on a dildo. Like we are doing it with our best friends and we're having those like, and in, and in doing so, like we learned from each other of like, oh, like you were able to have that conversation. Like you were like one of my best friends recently, it blew my fucking mind. This guy um, was too drunk to be a source of pleasure, but she was like, um, I actually still want to come though. So can we use my vibrator? And I was like, what? You can mm-hmm. ask that of someone who's like, who came over to fuck you, didn't, but you still, what? Like, and mm-hmm. I still like, and I consider myself kind of more of a sex educator and that still was new to me. Um, and so I think that honestly, just destigmatizing, talking again in this sex negative, sexually repressed culture that we live in, mm-hmm. destigmatizing these conversations and having them and being shameless about the the great sex, the sex with the person who couldn't find your clit, you know, whatever, like being open and honest and having all those conversations is only going to help everyone have better and safer sex. Uh, Yes, these are my favorite conversations to have too. I'm like, for listeners, I'm just like applauding over here. (laughs) Like, It's so important. And I think healthy, healthy sexual representation is everything. And you're so right. Like back to what you were saying, Isa, we live in a sex negative as fuck culture like sexually suppressed sexually exploitative sexually afraid like it's just fucked in all the ways and I definitely had that kind of realization too like trauma was the thing that catalyzed me onto a journey of learning about sex positivity and education and rape culture but in doing that I wasn't just like oh wow I feel all this because of trauma I was like wait a second every single fucking thing I've learned since I was a little baby about sex has been incredibly harmful and twisted and so I almost saw like after trauma it was it felt like my whole sexual foundation was like smashed to the ground like it was just like like it just like smashed and that was like there was so much grief and devastation in that but it was also like okay well now I get to rebuild it based on what's actually consensual and empowering and feels good and is liberating and like that was definitely a journey I wasn't just like I'm sex positive now like <laughs> rose like the phoenix from the ashes empowered hair toss in here but like in some ways it was like okay I'm redoing this whole fucking thing because society built this house to start and it's not a cute house like it's not working so I'm just so here for these conversations and I think representation goes a really long way. And even like, I get that reflection all the time. People, doesn't matter how much justice advocacy education I do, people are like, the fact that you're a survivor and you're like popping your booty while you're in the splits is like really empowering to see. First of all, teach me. (laughs) I want to do that. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> my booty in the splits I need to be able to do the splits first but it, it's very true to be able to see a survivor where everyone society is like she's gonna be hyposexual she's never gonna have sex again they're never gonna do any want to do anything crazier or be kinky or you know be adventurous like that's again that society being like this is how survivors should behave 
And then to see in actuality, someone claiming not only the label, but then reclaiming their body and saying, no, fuck you for putting this on me. I didn't ask for this and I'm going to just live my fucking life. Like, I'm not going to subscribe, subscribe to how you think I should behave and just saying, fuck you. It it is really empowering to see and giving people that role model of like, no, you don't have to fall into what society tells you to do. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy we're doing that together. Like, co- like that's exactly the collaborations that we're doing and like this Survivors Reclaiming Pleasure series and conversations like this and the workshop that we're going to be doing. But first, I would love to hear, can you share about the amazing freaking fund that you've created and like what it is and maybe how can people support it or like receive as well? Yes. Oh my goodness. I would love to tell you about the fund that we created. Um, Yeah. The first thing that I want to say about it is that, you know, we built this space around healing and we always really wanted to make healing, you know, more approachable for people to start having these conversations and to start, you know, seeing what that process might look like for themselves. But healing is really hard and healing also takes resources. It takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes stability and security and, you know, it's, it's just a fact that healing is not always accessible to people. And when you're struggling financially, whether, you know, you need help with rent or you need help, you know, spending money on a therapist or finding a therapist that works with you and works like fits your exact needs. There's so many different reasons why having financial resources and support is important. So that's why we created the Empower Healing Fund. You can find all the information about it, um, both to apply to be supported by the fund and also to donate to the fund in the link in our bio. We have so many survivors signed up to support. So we're, we're figuring out how to best, you know, support these people with the funds that we've raised so far. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're hoping to be sending out between $500 to $1,000 um, installments to different survivors in, in the community that we have. So it's really exciting. That's so amazing. That's such tangible impact. My heart is like so happy and like just, yeah, moved by that. And I just, I think it's such an amazing thing to do with this already amazing platform that you have. So just like, thank you for existing and creating this. We are doing a Valentine's workshop on February 10th. And I'm so excited about this. It's like for survivors, by survivors, um, fuck survivor imposter syndrome. Feel like you need this space, then you definitely belong in the space. And I'm just so excited because I feel like Valentine's Day, as we know, there's so much like intense emphasis on external relationships. And regardless of what your relationship status is, like self-love and embodied empowerment is so important so this is just going to be a space to like come together and transform shame and like cultivate pleasure and embodied safety in a way that's really gorgeous and connect with survivors from all over the world and just like fucking give ourselves the love and care and connection that we deserve so I'm super excited about it. Yeah, I'm, I am personally very excited to attend and also be a part of it. I know that we're, we're the ones collaborating on it, but I'm also like, fuck, like, I feel like everything that we do, Isa, with like Empower is like, we're creating this because we ourselves want it. And like, during, during a Valentine's Day, like, I have been single for a while and this is absolutely how I would want to spend my fucking Valentine's day is 
with myself and other survivors that get it and having a very pleasurable and loving environment and also time with myself. Um, so I'm super excited to be in attendance and to be, you know, a part of a part of the creation of it. Mm-hmm. Yay! And just like the power of survivors coming together and giving ourselves love. I'm like, I actually feel like that is like the Lord's work. <laughs> it's like such a radical act. Like it's such a radical act. I'm like, yeah, fuck society telling us like, oh, be in your home sad by yourself on this day. Mm-hmm. Like, no, fuck that. Like, we're going to all come together and mm-hmm. feel pleasure because fuck anyone telling us that we're not going to do that. Like, I don't know. I just feel like mm-hmm. it's like a, a form of rebellion and it just makes me feel even more empowered to just be able to be in a space like that with the, with fellow survivors. I think it's amazing. We're going to be offering so much magic and it's totally free because survivors deserve all the resources and care and community. And then if people want to donate to the fund, they absolutely can. So in order to register, even though it's free, you do still have to register for it just so we know what's going on with numbers. And so we make sure you get the Zoom link and everything. So you can go to marleylist.com slash Malentines or make it really easy for yourself and go to either of our Instagrams and click the link in the bio. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes so that it's right there. Um, Are there any other ways that people can connect with you and support your work that you want to share about? Yeah. So first and foremost, of course, our Instagram is at I am empower and that is spelled I A M P M. Oh my God! What you missed it? Is it you? <laughs> <laughs> Spelling is hard. We leave this in here. That is hilarious. I will. <laughs> First and foremost, you can go to our Instagram at I am Empower, and that is at I A M E M P W R spelled it right this time nailed so it. nailed it <laughs> um you can also go to our website website <laughs> yes you can also check out our website i'm empowered.com <laughs> but yeah all of our links are in are in our bio links to the workshop link to our website and then link to the gofundme for our aid fund Yay. And we've also been doing this like ongoing series together called Survivors Reclaiming Pleasure Series. So if you go to either of our Instagrams, you'll see some resources there. Um, And so here for it. I've just, I've received so many DMs already from people being like, nobody's talking about this. Like, thank you for this information. Um, So I'm really excited about it. Thank you so much. I could literally, I feel like we could go on forever, especially around the like sex positivity and survivor experience. Um, But for the sake of not the longest podcast ever, thank you so much (laughs) for sharing and like for all the work that you're doing. I feel so grateful to know you both and to be collaborating. This was such an honor. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for listening, loves. Whether you yourself are a survivor or you have loved ones who've been through this, which I'm pretty sure we all do, um, I'm just so glad that we're able to share this conversation with you. And I hope that it was as inspiring and 
joy-filled and emotionally moving and educational as it was for me. So if this resonated with you, please do share this podcast and leave a review. It always really helps us to amplify these important as fuck messages. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you on February 10th at our workshop, our Valentine's self-love workshop for and by survivors. It's going to be so amazing. Remember, it's completely free and you you can register at marleyliss.com slash valentines. That's M-A-R-L-E-E-L-I-S-S dot com slash valentines with an S at the end. Or just go to Instagram and click the link in our bios. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Sending you so much love and can't wait to share next week's episode with you. <laughs>